Hello, folks, and welcome back once again to episode 80 of Booze, Booms, and Busts. Contrary to popular belief, this podcast was not cancelled and abandoned by Sam and myself. It's simply been a pretty crazy time over the past few weeks, as I'm sure many of you can appreciate. But welcome once again to Booze, Booms, and Busts, the podcast where we quaff a few beers while discussing market events. There is literally no limit to the number of things we could talk about just from the last few weeks. Uh, but Sam, welcome back. Good evening. Tell us how you're doing. Yes, it's good to be back. It, it has been a while since uh, since we've we've done one of these. It's almost a month, just over a month now, I think. was the. If I'm, I'm looking at our list of published episodes and it was April 22nd we published last. So we've had a We've had a month away, so uh, as you said, we 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 didn't cancel ourselves. We we weren't cancelled by uh, the establishment or anybody <laughs> else. Um, we just simply were unable to align the stars to get together, and uh, that's why we're here now. So um, so we're away, but uh, yeah, a month is a fuck, man. Months just feels like forever. It feels like eternity. Yeah. In crypto time, that is an eternity. It's just yeah. like in Interstellar, where it's like, you know, one hour is seven years on Earth or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, like you've gone down and you've spent 10 minutes riding some big waves and you come back and I'm like, where have you fucking been? It's been 80 years. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like everyone says it's a dog's life because they have such, uh, you know, they have such fun time. But actually, if you're in crypto, you are living a dog's perception of time. You're getting dog years, so definitely. I'm def and it's actually not that great. My, I've definitely added 50 years to my life in the last 10. It genuinely feels like the last episode was about a quarter ago. <laughs> Unironically, it feels. Imagine it feels if, 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 if a year, if every month was, was the equivalent of a, of a financial quarter. Oh, man. Oh, God, those poor analysts, man. It's <laughs> only... There's only so many Excel spreadsheets they can produce. There's only, there's only so, so many hours in a day, literally. How many times can, can you re-rate a stock in a month? Yeah, big time. But that's not going to stop them doing it because they just want that money. That's not going to stop them taking their positions, doing their reports, and then cashing in. Yeah, getting, getting absolutely wrecked by their, by their manager who doesn't even know how to use Excel. Uh, but just hoping that they're going to be able to uh, get a nice Rolex at the end of it. Getting getting laughed at in the um, in the editorial investment meetings for talking about meme stocks, and then short selling some on the side and defeating the hedge funds. Mm, yeah. Speaking of hedge funds, I think isn't Melvin Melvin's now shut up shop? Is that? Yeah, that's true. End of an era. Well, who's Wall who's Wall Street bets going to go after now? Proper wrecked. Um, rugged. Yeah, I don't know who would they go after. Imagine if they could they. No, too big. Maybe they'll go after Elon. You know, they're, they're gonna. It's gonna be the great drama. It's the great reversal. You'd think so, but it feels like Elon has got to such this godlike status now that. But also, it see, it feels like the the mainstream's turning on Elon, and so if the mainstream's turning on Elon, then everyone else won't be. It's true. It's true. Oh, but like, are you really suggesting that he is too big to fail? Man, I saw something 
what was it on? It was, I swear, it was must have been on. I don't know if it was BBC. Maybe it was BBC Three. Oh, I didn't watch it. I was just scrolling through the um, list of channels and seeing what was on on my Virgin Box, and and it was something about it was it was on Elon, and it was like Elon, um, something like Ultimate Genius or Ultimate Evil. I was like, oh, I mean, Whoa, Ultimate Evil, dude. Yeah, I think yeah. Like they used the word evil. I think he's got a fair bit further to go before uh, before we get there. But it's what's the um, what's the law where it's like how long can you go through an argument before somebody invokes Hitler? <laughs> what what is it Murphy's law where it's like uh, you know how long do you need to have an argument before one party accuses the other of being Hitler? I don't think that's Murphy's law, is it? There's one. Isn't Murphy's law that, that something that something about will go wrong does go wrong? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Which one's the Hitler one? It's probably Hitler's law. <laughs> Hitler's law. I don't think it's called that. Like seven, um, there's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like Hitler's seven degrees of Hitler's bacon or something. I'm gonna look this one up. See if you I do know about it. you know about the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Uh oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh here we are. No, it's Godwin's law. Yeah. Ah, right. An internet adage asserting that as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison to Nazis or Adolf Hitler approaches <laughs> one. Yeah. It's so true, man. Ultimate oh. evil. I mean, come on. Like, I think we've discussed plenty of the bad things that Musk is accused of on this show, but ultimate evil. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, I, I feel a bit sorry for guys like Pol Pot or Mussolini. Like, they, they really get overlooked <laughs> when it comes to when, when evil's thrown around. It's just like they, they, they get, put in so much hard work. And it yeah. Just, like, they recognized they, they really were, they were grinders, man. They, they really tried to. To, to push up those evil rankings and and the end of the day it's like hitler's the like jordan of, of of evil and it just came in and just dominated all of them yeah like whoever wrote that is either oh man the the person who wrote that we'll talk about a lot of, either a lack of perspective or just so cynical with trying to create clickbait pretty true though to be fair how many times you get talking about it and someone ultimately just goes yeah man they're like they're nazis basically just, just like, nazis just like hitler yeah so, musk and hitler i mean just the same some of the, you think about it they both drank water they both breathed oxygen you know <laughs> they were they were both they were both um a d o l f e no they they adolf had more had more uh, letters in his name so that doesn't work musk hit no uh, there'll be some other comparison that we could draw i'm sure oh man have we invoked godwin's law well, yeah, have we done it? But is it is it an argument or is it a discussion? So, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we have. Maybe we're we're actually beating these guys for how quickly we're invoking Godwin's law. We are the self fulfilling prophecy of Godwin's law. Mm. Yeah, so just an online discussion progresses. So yeah, I guess we have. Well, if we're at episode eighty, well, actually no, we've covered Hitler and Nazis. Several times. I actually wonder how many times we've mentioned Hitler and Nazis in our titles. Well, I mean, our, yeah, our last one was about sending sending junk NFTs to uh, to Hitler. Yeah, we've we've talked about. I know, I'm sure there's been more nuts. Gold beer, baby shams, sipaku, erotic cans, whiskey futures, Trump and dictators, Sam. What's vaccines, altcoins, jabby, no jabby, leprechauns. Fuck. 
Elon. So we got to Elon. Well, I think we got to Elon better, but it, it made it into the titles around episode 26. Um, Meme stonks, millennials, Shushan Salvador. Wow, it's really taken us. I think we maybe not as many times as we as I thought. Elon got in there again at episode 44. Bitcoin, cat. Maybe maybe the person that wrote that. Uh, what well, maybe it turns out that the person that wrote that headline about ultimate genius or ultimate evil. Maybe they're they're a listener of ours <laughs> who just wanted to take things to the next level. Yeah, <laughs> these guys can do it. If these guys can get away with it. We got yeah. we got to do it to do. I can I can do it. It took us until episode seventy nine to actually get Hitler into a title of a podcast episode. Amazing. Oh man, Insta cancelled. Insta cancelled. Yeah, wow. Who? Somebody else. Someone told me someone was cancelled. Oh, Haley, my wife was telling me that the lead singer of Mumford and Sons was cancelled for something. <laughs> Did he not go to a really posh school or something? Are they not uh, from? Know. Well, I found that fascinating. It's like, what did he get? What did he do to get cancelled? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't end up looking it up. I it was just we went to because we went to a festival over the weekend, uh, and um, and for some reason there was a band on. It. I was like, they were like this sort of Irish <laughs> Irish sea shanty kind of band. Oh yeah, yeah, group thing, which was great and there was good fun and they were really high energy, but. They were on it for a two-hour set, and right. I'm not going to lie. By the last 45 minutes, I was just like, "Oh my god, please stop!" <laughs> <laughs> and then I somehow I got onto Mumford and Sons uh, from that, and she told me about it. yeah, dude got cancelled, which is unlucky. Oh right, okay, I've looked it up, and this is he did some. He supported a tweet from Andy No. I don't know who that is. He, I think No is a. Um, so he's like a, a independent right-wing journalist uh, who did who like got in inside Antifa and like pretending to be one of theirs, um, like in inside uh, inside, and then wrote a book about it. And uh, of course, anyone who makes Antifa look bad must be uh, a fascist, Hitler supporter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, I'm the guessing Hitler, that... the Hitler discussion come back as well. Yeah, yeah, that's how you get. It's the quickest way to get cancelled. I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, if you wanted to cancel someone, you just you'd say they were Hitler. You would say that you wouldn't have to categorically prove it. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Oh well. Interesting. Mumford and Sons. I can't name a single song of theirs. I uh, I, I know the songs when I hear them, but I couldn't tell you what they're called either. Hmm. Yeah, I don't feel that inspired to listen to them, um, but I'm sure I have at some point, you know. Uh, oh dear. Now so getting popular for a very long time, and now apparently not so much. Well, yeah, not this guy anyway. Oh dear. So uh, it's okay. Been a month. Oh, right. It's been a month. Okay. Either last episode or the episode before. Uh, this is uh, yeah. <laughs> last episode or episode before. I speculated that we could be on the cusp of quote stablecoin summer, and oh, uh, that that aged poorly. Yeah, I, I didn't. It it's not <laughs> aged very well. Not aged very well. Well, uh, actually, maybe. Well, maybe we are now uh, after we've gone over the last month, but uh, maybe maybe there will be in the future. Well, but look. One failed. There's a lot out there. One failed. It's a big one, though. 
It was it was a really big one. Admittedly, it was it was a big one. If, if, if all the non-backed stable coins, it was the biggest. Um, but what it certainly did do, um, you know, the people there was some fucking big redemptions on on Tether, and Tether kept kept its peg. Yeah, it is quite ironic that we did see a stablecoin failure, which a lot of people were expecting. It was just not the stablecoin they were expecting. Yeah, the other thing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone was like, Ted is a fraud. And I was like, no, 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 it's not. Um, the interesting thing, right, is that um, Tether traded below its peg, but its redemptions never were less than $1. You did get people bragging about redemptions, and but when they were bragging about redemptions, it did seem like Tether had asked them to tweet, saying how fun it was to redeem Tether. You know, <laughs> there was there was, was something about it, but nonetheless, it, it stood up. Same with Circle, man. Like, oh, well, I say Circle, the USDC, which is predominantly run by Circle, um, stood up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, USDC, that is the one which I really, really, really like that is not even on the radar for for a failure. If there is, if there is a run on any of the others, the capital will flow into USDC. And Mm -hmm. it'd be more the if we do get a proper, proper, like severe event, you will see USDC trade above a dollar, it will become that strong because people want liquidity that much. Uh, Probably true. Yeah. But interestingly, they are now rebooting and launching uh, Luna again, Terra again. Terra. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Which is probably just going to be an equally big shit show. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let's see. I, I think the the prosecution in South Korea because uh, they are going going to go after him, Do Kwon. Yeah, that's going to be uh, some theater, I think. Yeah, yeah, I have, we should, we should, we, maybe we should explain. I feel like we should explain for those that don't know what happened, but then at the same time, Leon McDuff, if you, McDuff, if, you um, if you, if you haven't heard about the collapse of terror and USDT, uh, USDT, UST, and <laughs> anchor protocol, careful, Roy, yeah, hey, the now. truth is the, the truth is right out there. Um, you've been living under a rock, uh, 60, 60 billion, was it 60 billion? A lot of money, dollar. Algorithmic stablecoin failure, basically, which led to the crash of the foundation that was backing it, and the fucking anchor protocol was was a bank run on it, or effectively a bank run on it, and shit hit the fan. Fucking suicide posts on Reddit and shit. It's like, damn, some bad shit happening. But it's happened before, folks. It's happened before. I I was I, I like so I I likened this. So, I mean, some people are like likening what happened with Terra and Luna to like um, Lehman Brothers, right? But you'd um, liken it to Soros and the Bank of England. Some of some have gone down that path. For me, yeah. it was just it was like Mount Gox, right? If you're talking about the endemic threat to sort of crypto, it was similar. But I still argue that the failure of Mt. Gox was bigger and a bigger risk to the failure of the entire ecosystem than Luna. Yeah, because it was younger then. Yeah, I think younger, that's certainly true. It was relatively a lot bigger. And I was like, that 
that gives a bit more perspective having seen a massive failure like when when at its peak gox was doing like 70 to 80 percent of all bitcoin transactions and trades right fucking huge it'd be like if binance and coinbase failed at the same time yeah at the same time that would probably be a similar equivalent sort of thing so while you know terran luna was big people like oh this is the end of this is this is it this is the one that that ends crypto this is the, oh, yeah. this is the go to zero right. it's like you're so it's so far removed from the truth it's and then like i've so i've been watching some stuff it's funny right i've been watching a lot of stuff over the last week or so out at the back of all this stuff from the fucking wef and people from the imf and central banks and big retail and wholesale banks and all, all that commercial banks and they talk, they're talking about this, this, this crash in crypto, right, from its sort of November price peaks. Um, they're talking about it like this is like the biggest crash that's ever happened and that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the proof. It's where all the trust, all trust is being lost in crypto. And it's like, I, they, it's like these people just... Tell me, tell me you're a boomer without telling me you're a when was the first time you encountered the word Bitcoin? Was it in 2020? Yes. Ah, right. This makes sense. It's it's so funny. It, it's so reminiscent of every single cycle before. It's just, it's literally the same playbook. From uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Skeptical. And once again, big crash. Do tell me, Sam, <laughs> how much government money, taxpayer money bailouts were required to let it pass how much money that'd be a big fat zero is like people think this is the end like this is a massive event yep and nobody needed a bailout nope that was it there was no there was no systemic risk to the to the whole ecosystem there was there's there's not necessarily even been a slowdown in capital or innovation or development uh what these events do and this is what happened with gox and other exchange failures and it's what happened in the last three cycles as what happening now is that the, the, the market the the ecosystem whatever you want to describe it absorbs it just absorbs it because that's how it's that's how it's built yeah. <laughs> and it's it it does bring it so it, this is what made it made me question and I've been questioning this since fucking two thousand and eight. If central banks had not have uh, meddled in the financial system for the last fourteen years, would we would we be any would we be in a situation we're in today? We probably wouldn't have had the same sort of stock market performance. Mm. I question whether or not cryptocurrency would even have got the traction or even exist that it, it would have existed because satoshi was working on it pre-crisis yeah but that's true. the maturity of the space would be you know we're talking about how fast things develop now and how we, we're living in dog years in the crypto mm. space because everything's so fast and there's so much innovation there's so much growth i think maybe it'd be like we were progressing at normal speed yeah if it wasn't for that and we'd yeah. be way like maybe now it would be you know, maybe it would be 2017 again and 2018, or maybe it would even maybe be even more happen. like Mount Gox had just failed now. Yeah, I, I'd say it would be closer to 2013, 2014. Right. It, it just wouldn't have been a, 
a need, there wouldn't have been such a quick erosion of trust in um, the traditional banking system. And similarly, there wouldn't be so much VC money that just gets rammed into it because yeah. everyone's reaching for yield. And at the yeah. same time, VCs want to capture all of the, all the value that's being uh, created in the space because there would be actually strong economic growth maybe elsewhere. Yeah. Real, real, real economic growth, not based on basically free money mm. um, that's just getting flooded into the system. So, Big time, big time. It goes to show what is possible in, I mean, what's effectively a free free market you leave the market to you know you leave failures to fail and you let the successes be successful and just let it do its thing and stop interfering yeah big time one of the one of the things with governments and their relationship to crypto it's like people don't like the uncertainty as to what governments will do but at the same time this sort of frenemy relationship whereby it's allowed to exist but it's ambiguous how it's treated in country, from country, country to country because there aren't that many countries that have said this is what it is and this is how it will be treated. The more ambiguity there is there, the less chance there will be for some kind of government meddling when there is a crash in the future. So if, yeah. if one government gets elected and then says, we are going to now treat stablecoins as X and then there's, you know, and then there's a, a, a stablecoin goes bust, they will that government be will be expected to own their decision and thus it'll be then there'll be a okay we're gonna we're gonna bail them out kind of thing yeah it's it's once they get their mucky paws on it that they feel obliged to 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 sort of stick with it until till the end but then there is no end if they can just invent money and create it and throw it at it so yeah which is kind of like, I mean, that, to be fair, we say there wasn't a bailout. There kind of was an attempt, was an attempt at a bailout from the lunar, uh, lunar. Oh, sure, but that's like a free market bailout. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that's a, it's, that's a company trying to make its, uh, you know, shareholders whole again. Yeah, it'd be like if Lehman just had the capacity to fire sale everything in a twenty-four hour period, and to try and rescue themselves, and yeah, or and the shareholders, yeah, yeah, I think and then uh, did <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i ugly. think I, oh well, carry on sorry sam no, i was just saying it's an, it's an ugly situation not good for for anyone but it, it gay it's given the mainstream some real ammunition well oh, perceived yeah, sure. ammunition sure i think it's still a, of course it's uh really rough for anyone who is massively into it and totally believes oh, yeah. space yeah, yeah, yeah uh you know there is no uh, that that's yeah it really is the way it is and it's a real shock for people uh, when they trust something and it and it wasn't actually trustworthy, uh, but at the same time, you know, if you do want to look at the the positives uh, for where we are now, so not the positives of of the crash, but the positives of the current prevailing mood. Positives are there's still loads of innovation going on, oh, yeah. and at the same time, it has re- removed a lot of the hot speculative money from the space, which was driving things and distorting things very very quickly. So, uh, and that's just in terms of price. So when it comes to innovation, I don't think the innovation is going away at all. So if you, if you saw Andreessen Horowitz with uh, four and a half billion, they managed to raise four and a half billion in this environment, like just nuts for a new crypto fund. Yeah, and there's, there's still money out there. There's still money out there, right? But you've, you have managed to temper some of the, uh, some of the speculation, which it, 
I think is is a is a good thing for keeping people more realistic. Ultimately, for anyone like my my general take on it is, and the reason why I've become uh, much more involved in the in the crypto space was, you know, in 2017 2018, I thought it was we'd seen a dot com uh, bust, and it was going to take years until we got to where the uh, the ambition is delivered. So. Amazon did change the world, right? But you would have been crushed by like 70% plus if you had invested with that vision in late in the game in the dot-com cycle. So ultimately, you were right to buy Amazon, but the, the vision took uh, many years to actually realize itself. And if you'd held, then you, you'd still been fine. But there would be you know, multiple years that would occur where it was really bad and everyone was still saying it was all big nothing. Mm. until it happened now i was wrong in that and so in 2018 i wasn't focusing on the space as much as i should have been uh, but now and so one of the reasons why i've become much more um much more involved in the crypto space is you realize that this this isn't going away anywhere and the innovation isn't stopping it's not even slowing down so the what you would want to be doing you know if anyone wanted to they would go back to 2018. If they wanted like the, the best time to do it, and they weren't going to go back to 2011, and they weren't going to go back to 2013, 14, you know, they'd want to go back to 2018 when all of uh, when DeFi was just sort of blooming, when you had the, the, the origins of uh, things like CryptoPunks, uh, or when at least you could acquire CryptoPunks uh, for you know, dirt, dirt cheap. Uh, and if you'd done that, you would be probably retired now. And what we have now is just an opportunity for that all over again. So we're now back in uh, another sort of 2018 period. And, you know, if you stay focused on it and you stay interested in whatever's going on, you will, you'll realize the, the trends and the, uh, the birth of new technologies, which will then become the great treasures of the next cycle, whenever that occurs. Something I found very interesting about the, uh, the recent malaise that has hit the space and the, the collapse of stablecoin is that this occurred at almost exactly the same time that we are now 50% through the, uh, the halvening that occurred in 2020. So in a way, we are exactly on schedule. If, we, if you believe that halvenings are what drive these big booms in crypto, you know, we are at the perfect point now for where we see a low and we see uh, a lot of pain and we see a lot of people abandoning it. Uh, before you know the seeds of growth are then uh, sown for the next big cycle yeah for sure uh, i i um yeah forgot about it was the halfway we we are now closer to the next halving than we are to the one that we just had yeah it didn't even feel that long ago that last happening you know that no, was crazy right and since yeah. then there's been some you know some some pretty impressive developments in you know, the taproot upgrade to in Bitcoin, Ethereum's getting closer and closer to 2.0. You know, you know more about the Solana ecosystem than I do, but there's loads going on there too. Big time, uh, big time. And NFT. I don't see any 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 shortage of innovation. It's no. just people have been so addicted to price action yeah. that they can sometimes not see the forest for the trees. Yeah, I, funny. I was I was literally discussing that. Um, and a video to my subscribers the other day, just how you've the best thing you can do is to really just take yourself out of the short term volatility. And I've, you know, been discussing um, 
portfolios and performance of assets um, recently. And I was saying the crypto market is not, it's, it doesn't, it's people go on and on about how crypto moves like stocks. And I, I just, I can't bring myself to agree with that point is that it, that they, it does not move in the same way. It does not move in similar cycles. It well, moves it however the fuck linearly in the same way. That's for sure. <laughs> I know, right? It moves however the fuck it wants to move, and it'll do it in, in a moment's notice. And if you're caught napping and you're sat out of the market thinking that we're going to find new bottoms or some bullshit, you'll fucking miss it. You'll miss the biggest moves. I think there's to be there's always some interesting stats. I can't remember where they were about having sat out like just even like the the ten best performing single days in like Bitcoin's history, all of it you would have like missed out on like some atrocious amount of returns as, as opposed to of having just gone through and rode those cycles and peaks and troughs the whole way. It's one of those markets where you can sit on a, on a position that's like at an 80% loss and your every chance of still bagging 10, 20 times return on your entry point the stock market doesn't necessarily behave like that, or at least it didn't used to it's starting to a bit more. But it's a different, it's a different mindset, and you just can't. That those those short swings are just, it's just not worth bothering with. Yeah, I remember seeing some uh, some analysis from I can't remember it was that guy J.P. Morgan who was uh, their big, uh, their big sort of Bitcoin um, chap back in the 2017-18 cycle. But one of the things he'd done is just looking at how quickly the returns arrive on the good days. And yeah. so it was like, the, you know, the majority of Bitcoin's uh, returns during that cycle or, or on average since inception, but this was back in 2017, 18 was uh, occurred on like 11 days every year. Yeah. So yeah. nobody knows what 11 days they were going to be, but uh, you know, that, that's what you're missing out on. If you were just, if you, if you were trying to time things, which of course is very, very hard. I think the correlation with stocks has been there, but it's obviously it's uh, it's an incredibly high beta leveraged connection yeah. i my big sort of prediction that i've, I've been sitting on for, for a while uh, since since 2021 uh, i think yeah what is the is that inflation will actually break the correlation between tech stocks and crypto so hmm. until now despite all of the uh, talk of bitcoin's uh, similarities to gold and the scarcity argument I think until now, it's still been trading as this is like uh, free market VC. And as a result, when tech stocks do really well, crypto uh, does extra well. I think inflation is going to wreck tech stocks and or at least do them a lot of damage. And during this malaise, which we'll see uh, a lot of uh, pain on Bitcoin as well. But during that malaise, there will then be uh, a breaking of that correlation and Bitcoin in particular because it is does have that massive scarcity argument will come into its own and will exhibit so it'll start to finally exhibit some of these gold properties and the rest of the crypto market will follow that to a greater or a lesser extent while tech stocks do not that is my big prediction uh, but you know i could be entirely wrong <laughs> yeah i've, I've enjoyed i've enjoyed recently the um the, the 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 gold skeptics those that, that that do like gold as investment which is perfectly fine no issue with anybody liking any kind of investment and but when you're very skeptical on another investment 
uh, type of, I find it a little bit of a stretch, but anyway. Um, we get the tribalism just in crypto, man. You know, the yeah. maximalists on, on, and I used to be a maximalist, so <laughs> I, uh, I can definitely, definitely <laughs> relate to it. But I've, ultimately, I've seen, a few, I've seen a few gold, gold fans, Bitcoin, very Bitcoin skeptic gold fans that are like, with the Bitcoin, again, this, this idea of a Bitcoin crash, and they're like, how's your, how's your, your fake digital internet money going now everybody and it's like oh come on don't 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 start with this <laughs> well i mean we've just seen it all before i mean it's just they're yeah. not the same thing stop treating them the same way yeah. if you believe in gold uh, enough as you should as i do then you don't need to see bitcoin as a competitor exactly so i think a lot of this comes from fear that digital assets will steal gold's luster and it's I, I just don't see that happening really at all. I mean, there is speculative flow where people just chase the hot, uh, hot asset of the month, mm. but it's not, they're not the same things. And if you truly believe in gold, you don't need to be afraid of other assets that are doing completely different things, but do have scarcity. So, you know, it's like, imagine if gold investors were attacking real estate because it's a real asset, you know, oh, they shouldn't be building more houses because then somebody might might sell their gold to buy a house instead to try and get some yield on it. It's you don't need to uh, you don't need to attack these other assets even if you don't like them. If you don't like them, just don't invest in them. Yeah, uh, just just leave it alone. Just, yeah, big time. Don't, don't don't bother with it. It's it's again. It just all comes back to the whole uh, very much. You know, we're just it's it's a it's a repeat of 2017, 2018, repeat of 20. 13, 14, repeat of 2010, 11. Though it wasn't so widely covered. But anyway. No, certainly not. 2010, 11, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, the... Uh, yeah, Man, you should have not... seen how pissed off gold investors were in 2013 when Bitcoin crossed the... Yeah, yeah, the, the, the great, the great threshold. Time. And then again, and then again, you know, a couple of years later. Yeah. Uh, so if you're, if you're saying, oh, no... Uh, how, how's your digital gold doing now? Well, I mean, I when 20, Bitcoin crossed... 20 times better than your um, physical gold rocks. That's that's how. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I have a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation for, for the uh, for the gold investors. So no, I, uh, I don't. I just don't like the, the tribalism, but... No. Uh, it's unnecessary. You know, unnecessary behavior. Calling foul um, on, on other investors and so uh, is, isn't good cricket. I guess one of the reasons why uh, gold investors are, 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 or some gold investors, I should say, uh, are, are acting that way is probably just a, a reaction to how they've been treated by uh, certain maximalist communities over the past couple of years who have been claiming that Bitcoin is going to unlock the industrial capacities of gold and we're all going to be eating with gold knives and forks because it's going to be so cheap in the, in the near future. And uh, this is probably just an opportunity to to get one get one back, <laughs> <laughs> just a jab to the ribs. Mm, yeah, but anyway, Sam, what are you drinking? We haven't mentioned the booze. Yeah, so I um I, I don't actually have beer on me this week because what our house our household has been trying a new kind of was well, not really a new kind of booze it's wine, but um. <laughs> Haley had this idea that um, we would start. She saw, I don't know where she saw it, but it's, and, and don't, don't judge when I say what it, what kind of, where the wine is and how it exists, because I was judgy as well at first, but it's wine in a box. 
Now, some some would call this cask wine, and tradi- traditionally, cask wine is pretty shit. But this is this 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 claim was that it's boxed wine so that it it you can keep it longer it stores longer and maintains its goodness um and that it is good wine in a box and so i thought you know what fuck it why not good wine in a box i'm all for like (laughs) in in a house with two very young children where you're up at somewhere between 5 and 5.30 most mornings these days. By the end of the day, you want to, you really do want some liquor of some description. And wine is a very, very good way of doing that. But the moment you open a bottle, you kind of got to drink the bottle because if you come back to it the next day, usually it's shit. It's, it's done. This way, we can drink wine at the end of a tiresome day and come back to it regularly throughout an entire week. And there's more of it. And here's the thing. It's actually pretty good. So. Well, don't worry, Sam. I'm, uh, I'm not a wine guy, so I, I can't, you know, I, I can't judge. I don't, I don't know any of the, the ins and outs. So uh, don't worry. It'll just oh, yeah. be from our, our very, very uh, wine connoisseur-ish the, viewership who would be uh, who'd be against your decision for people listening um and that do like a wine because i do like a wine uh it's called it's called nice nice drinks so that uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give him a little plug here um because it's actually to be fair it's been pretty good we got a box of what do we get a box of i'm drinking a box so i think if it's a um malbec at the moment an argentinian malbec and we got a box of their pale rosé. And um, they do a Sauvignon Blanc as well. It's, it's quite good. So they say that it stays fresh for six weeks upon opening. Now, any bottle of wine ain't going to do that. But this is good for six weeks. Um, you know, if you like your wine. Um, I look, I, I was, it's not like, you know, I'm not drinking fucking Chateauneuf de Paps from 2009 or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's good evening drinking wine, but better than the kind of shit that you'd get from a fucking Campo Rioja or a fucking uh, Villa Maria or some bullshit like that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do suggest people check it out. It's nice-drinks.co.uk. They do um, boxes of wine. Get into it. A box of wine. Drink a fucking two and a half liter box of wine, and you'll know about it in one city. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sam, what what's the name for the bags of wine that they drink a lot in Australia? Yeah, it's cask wine. Yeah, yeah, but is there? There's oh, a goon bag. Term. So the nick the, the, bags. the colloquialism for it is the goon bag. Yeah, goon bags. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, so these are the ones. Are they meant for barbecues or something? Yeah, or yeah. they're very eighties, yeah. very very eighties thing. I'm not going to lie, you know, part of my initial recoil when Haley was like, I'm going to buy some box wine was the thought of a, a box of Kaiser Stuhl um, cask wine in the, in the fridge when I was a, a young whippersnapper. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, 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 it's called Goombag for a reason. I mean, I remember we used to, when we were a bit younger, you know, you had to figure out ways, inventive ways of getting like alcohol into places where you weren't supposed to get alcohol. Right, right, right. And yeah. um, one of the places 
renowned for being very strict on not bringing alcohol in was the horse races, the spring racing carnival. Very big event. We've spoken about it before on this podcast, I think, uh, down in Australia. Fantastic event. It, you know, basically stretches through all the spring. There's race meets at Caulfield, Flemington, Mooney Valley, really big racetracks. We're talking like 60, 70, 80, 100, 120,000 people on a good day at Flemington for the Melbourne Cup. Just mega, right? Mega. If, you, if you're ever out in Australia in the spring, get down to Melbourne, go to the Spring Racing Carnival. Anyway, one of the tricks of the trade was that you would get like a big one of them big mixed bags of like crisps right so you know like the, what they got like multi-packs and shit yeah, yeah. You, you'd, you'd very surgically with, with surgical precision open the bag and empty the contents of the crisps do whatever you want with them and then take a goon take a goon bag out of one of the cast wines and you would insert it into the crisps packet and then very again surgical precision seal it up so that when security was checking through your picnic basket or whatever you were bringing food because you can bring food and in, right into these events right yeah of course um they would see the bag of crisps and not think twice about it would you would you put that right at the bottom right but just because it's so much heavier yeah, you'd you'd put it at the bottom. You'd maybe put some bread rolls around it, you know, wrapped up some sandwiches, shit like that. You know, you'd, it's just quavers. You'd, you'd be smart about it. Um, and then once you were inside, because again, you can't just then rip out the goon and start drinking, you know, pouring from the from the bag because yeah, yeah. you'd be walking around. They'd be like, no, no. But would no, you no. pretend to be like downing a load of crisps? Well, what you do is you just snip off the bottom corner of the crisp packet so uh -huh. that the little little wine funnel would stick out. Very, very uh -huh. innocuously stick out the bottom, and you would just sneakily pour your wine from the from the crisps crisps packet. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this uh, this makes sense. Uh, this reminds me. This uh, this feels to me like um, you know, all the athletes who are uh, who are doping and they have yeah. to fake urine tests. <laughs> yeah, it's so basically they've got to, like fake dicks and bladders and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember a former Australian colleague of mine. Uh, speaking with great condescension uh, about goon bags. <laughs> and I remember her like Googling images of people with goon bags and it looked like 10 times more glamorous. It was all the you know, teenagers. It was all like teenagers drinking goon, right? And, it's cheap and it's accessible. Right, but it looked 10 times as glamorous as like what kids in Aberdeen are doing when they're when they're teenagers and they can't get into anywhere like that this she was you know speaking about oh yes yeah, just this is so bad it's so great it's so grim and it's like these guys in Australia you know the sun is shining they're wearing shorts and meanwhile we were like all wrapped up in a lane drinking buck fast I was like, you don't know how good you've had it with your goon bags, lady. Sitting in a park on a 30 degree day, just getting drunk off a, off a goon bag. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking. There are worse oh. ways to live. There are oh. worse ways. I do remember one year a friend tried to hollow out a cob loaf and put uh, a small bottle of vodka inside the, the cob loaf, just sort of reattached the uh, and then wrapped it up in you know clear plastic so that the cob loaf could be seen but deep inside was the hearty goodness of a, a bottle of Smirnoff. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Well, what about hip flasks? Why didn't people just use those? Because they um they pat you down, right? So well, really they pat you down. Occasionally. Oh, yeah. Damn. It's like TSA or something. Yeah, they're pretty strict on it. Just but 
They, it's just because they want you to buy the exorbitantly priced booze that the, is. There. Yeah, yeah, that's the margin, isn't it? Yeah. And look, people do, but yeah, it, it got harder and harder and harder over time, and it got to a point when you were earning enough as well. There's just like, you know what, fuck it, I don't need to try and smuggle shit in here anymore. I'll take the hit. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. gonna take the hit and get out, get on with it. I don't know. There's got to be a bit of excitement though about smuggling that in. You know, a little thrill that just adds to the adds to the flavor of the evening. There is, there's a little thrill to those sorts of things. I um, <laughs> although I was, I was trying to smuggle alcohol out of somewhere the other day. <laughs> and I, I just went with the with the blase brazen approach of I'm just going to pretend like I'm allowed to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody stops me. <laughs> yeah, fake it till you make it. And then, then the um, the poor fellow was he was like, it was you know it wasn't like a festival festival it was just a nice kind of festival there was families there but at the same time there was a mix of you know old and young and everything in between. Um, the the poor dude on the on the exit was just like um, he was giving out the stamps so that people would go out and come back in and he was like oh, oh I can't I can't I'm not supposed to really let you out with that and I was just like. There's no need for me to take this any further. No, <laughs> I was no, like, no. Okay, mate. I'll, I'll I'll drink it and then we'll go. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't the, those guys don't deserve to have their their, their evenings no. made any worse. No, he he did not need me kicking up a stink about taking my drink out out of the uh, out of the venue. But that's so, the thing. If you if you're gonna respect if you're gonna break the rules, you need to respect the people who call you out on it. I think so. I think so. It's yeah. it's a bit like. I feel like when people get arrested, it's just like, oh, come on! You just at some point you've just got to admit, you know, yeah, I'm I'm done here. I remember when I got a I got a ticket. It was a, it was a while ago now. It was over four years. It's not on it's not on my license anymore. But I was on the M25 and um, it was in basically standstill traffic, and I had stopped in part of it. And I whipped out my phone to message Haley about something, and literally as I did it, the car pulls up next to me, and it's a it's a police car. I look across and he looks at me and he's got his, you know, full police kit on. And I'm just like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> and he's just, he just sort of waved with his finger at me to follow him and pull off to the side. And he pulled off the side and then he goes, do you know what you were doing? And I was like, yeah. He goes, do you have any reason why you were doing that? And I was like, nah. <laughs> we're going to go, am I being detained? It was pretty much just like, I know when I'm defeated here. Um and then they still whacked me with a 250 pound fine and four was it four or was it double it might have been eight i don't know some obscene amount of uh demerit points but it's all oh, good. but you just got to know when you're defeated right it's a bit like in the stock market i guess sometimes you've almost just got to go you know what i got it wrong got me here like right now to be fair i mean like i was talking to my brother about it this afternoon or messaging my brother and um my son he's just turned three and so the bulk of his portfolio has really been been sort of geared towards long-term tech, high growth um, industries, pretty much at the peak of the market. The poor dude just through no fault of his own has just really, literally had his portfolio built at the very top of a market. That subsequently- he's got time. So the, but he's got time, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? Got us there. Got us there, mate. But he's got, you know, he's got thirty years to make up for it. So that's all. Mate, he's got he's got a fair bit more than that. If he's well, wanting to retire off this, it, I would it, I would think that by the time he he turns sort of thirty, he 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 may be able to 
you know, cash some in and do some fun shit or get some cool stuff or get a house or whatever. And, you know, he doesn't, yeah, I'm, oh, not, yeah. I'm not expecting that he'll keep it forever. He'll be, he'll build his own portfolio at some stage too, right? Oh, certainly. You can't do everything for your kids. I'm sure when he's 30, he'll be able to make his own his own investment decisions, etc. Yeah. He'll be fucking selling his Bitcoin for some shit coin or something. <laughs> 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 then I'll be like, you know what? Fuck you. This is mine. <laughs> I'm hiding your seed phrase, mate. <laughs> yeah. Your seed phrase has been confiscated. Yeah. As a, it's like when he's a bit older, I'm like, it's not, I'm not even going to threaten him with like, you're not going out. You're not going to that party. I told you you couldn't do that. I'm just like, you know what? I'm taking I'm taking your hardware wallet and I'm hiding your seed phrase. Suck it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's how you discipline your kids. You folks. Properly discipline your kids in the 2020s and 2030s. You confiscate their seed phrase. Your seed phrase. You don't let them you don't let them look at it for long enough to memorize it. You just hide it somewhere <laughs> and hope you don't lose it. Pro- problem is he's got a fucking good memory. Or even now. Just like I'm, I'm, I'm stuffed. He's. You, you need to make one of. You can make the seed phrases as long as you like, can you? There's a way of. Uh, there's a way of true. expanding them. You need to make it like a hundred word seed phrase. I think you'd probably remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Is he one of those guys who's going to like? Uh, he can memorize pi to like a thousand places or whatever. Oh, man, he might be. You know, he remembers more. He remembers stuff that I can't even remember saying. <laughs> <laughs> Already, that's not a good sign. Either I've got dementia or he's just got a really good memory. Yeah, dude, you need to make, he'll end up remembering your seed phrase. Well, that'll be worse. I'll be like, I'll go to check on the, on my wallets and be like, hang on a minute. I didn't authorize yeah. those transactions. And then I'll check the, the, the receiving wallets. And I'm like, hang on a minute. That's Max's wallet. What? Yeah. And then he, and then he's going, sorry, dad. I, I, I just really wanted yeah. a Bugatti. I, I just, I, I just I call him up. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm in Costa Rica <laughs> with a goon bag. Yeah, the goon bag, virtual goon bag, and uh, and I'm sorry, but I've I've just spent all your money, all your Bitcoin, <laughs> which is money by that stage. So. And Costa Rica, I wouldn't I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be surprised if they do something something radical. They're totally up for. Uh... Yeah, it was the first thing that came to mind because a few friends had just been to Costa Rica, so uh, somewhere in South America, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, pl- plenty of nice place in South America, certainly. Plenty of Bitcoiners in South America, for that matter. Um, yeah. yeah. I read some interesting stats on... Uh, so the, the Federal Reserve published some stuff on the wealth and well-being or something of the US population. And uh, and they said that... Um, so the, the, the use of Bitcoin for like transactions and remittance and stuff like that, um, is very heavily skewed towards lower income earners right. and people without bank accounts. Yep. So it's, the, the astonishing thing is that in the United States of America, and it's the same here in the UK, um, there are a lot of people that don't have bank accounts. That who can't, ah, so yes, not just don't, who can't, can't get a bank account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's crazy. Like it, it it's. It's becoming increasingly difficult to function in the world without, particularly after the pandemic now. So, like I said, I went to this festival. Had I got had that festival been pre, I remember going to a festival before COVID, and everything was like cash. It was like very, very few had you know sum up terminals or square terminals or, or whatever. Yep, yep. Now, none of them take cash. Nothing. 
don't want to deal with it at all. Not one vendor took cash. Yeah. And if you don't have a bank account, the fuck are you going to do? Big time. Yeah, it's like a silent... It's a, it's a silent manner in which the state coerces the individual. Yeah, massively. Is with bank accounts. Like you still... There are still some folks who've like never had one and they're, they're boomers. They're like pretty old. And they've just kind of managed to get by on doing it. Generally, tradesmen, cash in hand, etc. Yeah. Uh, but you know, a big part of it is uh, is folks who are immigrants, and you know, it's mm. very, very difficult to get a bank account if you don't oh, have. Shit! I remember when I first fucking moved here. It was impossible. Well, it was tricky. It would have been harder if I wasn't involved in finance and right sort of banking and stuff. Yeah, if you don't have a, a proper job, right? It's really, it's really difficult. And if you don't have that, you can't get somewhere to live. Or a job. Or a job. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, and it's not something that gets a huge amount of play, even from no. uh, people uh, who are generally sort of left, left of field. Yeah. Who are all about supporting the little guy in that way. Uh, but it's a big, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal. I mean, that it controls your entire life. If you can even, make a good transaction. I mean, you're screwed. Yeah. And even when you are in the country and you're somewhat established, it's still hard to even get a bank account. I remember it was, we'd probably been living here for like, my wife is British. I should probably add. <laughs> and, and, and this, this is still how hard it was. We went to set up an account with Metro bank at the time. Oh yeah. Um, and we had to go into the bank, make a meeting for another day to come back. And, and, for, and, and for some reason I, I was working, but then I think because Haley didn't, she hadn't got a job. She'd had a job and then stopped and she was moving job. But so she didn't have a job at the time. But then they wouldn't give her a bank account. And she was a British citizen with deep, long roots, you know, back to her birth and family and stuff, right? And yet she still couldn't get a bank account just because at the time she, she wasn't working. And But we were living together. We, you know, had all the documentation. Everything. They wouldn't give her a bank account. And it was the most difficult, frustrating process I've ever gone through. And the, the astonishment was the fact that here was a British citizen and a, and a high street bank, relatively new at the time, but here was a high street bank that wouldn't give a British citizen a bank account. And I was like... Uh, indeed, a high street bank that you know, praised for its innovation and how it was shaking everything up and making yeah. things really easy for consumers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that, that, so that's why we went there in the first place because of all the talk about, oh, it's so easy to get it. Yeah. And it was the most yeah. frustrating, fucking ridiculous thing ever. Never gone near Metro Bank again since. Never will. I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably easier to get an account. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't fucking care. You burn me once. That's enough. I don't really like the banks as it is. They are a necessity, but you know, I've had experience with some of the neo banks. Like Starling Bank was quite good for a while. And, and again, very easy to set up an account and get that all started. But then anytime I tried to send any money to a crypto exchange, they just fucking blocked it and wouldn't change. So I was like, well, fuck that. So I stopped using them. Yeah, it is a, it is a funny one. It is a funny one. Uh, we've been having discussions, uh, you know, uh, during the sort of interim period between episodes 79 and 80, about what are the banks that are actually friendly to crypto exchanges? Uh, because uh, I found I have encountered difficulties when making quite routine and nothing extraordinary, no, no extraordinary uh, payments to crypto exchanges, you know, nothing huge and not, and using card payment, not bank transfers. 
And yet, you know, certain banks in the UK have uh, said, uh, we don't do anything crypto anymore. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like they've gotten a little bit firmer on it. I, so I, and I'll, I will name, I've used Lloyds Bank for a l- quite a long time now. And I have been making payments to crypto exchanges for equally as long a time. And I've never had a problem with Lloyds Bank. Occasionally, they would stop a transfer, send me that text message that says, we've noticed you're trying to make a payment. Was this you? Please reply yes. And you can attempt to make the payment again. So I reply yes. Next time goes through. No issues. But then recently, they put a hard block, like a yep. really hard block on my on my account for it that I use to, to send to exchanges. First time they've ever put a really hard block on. Now, it may have been because I was overseas and trying to do a transfer to one. No, of the- I don't think so. I don't think so. Or it could have just been the fact that they decided to just randomly decide to crack down harder. So uh, that the card attached to that account was useless until I fixed it. So then I had to, once we were back in England, I had to then go and call them because none of the online chats or helps were working. And I waited for an hour on the phone before. I oh yeah. Something. Did you like the hold music? I, I, I feel like I can't remember because I probably put myself into this mindset, this zone where I was just like, I, if, if, if I get too wound up by the music, I'm going to literally murder someone through a phone. Um, and then, so eventually I spoke to someone and then she was like, Oh yeah, I can see there's a block on your account. And then she was like, oh, this has gone to our, uh, it's like our high, high risk department she's like our money laundering department you know that one it went up the chain it went right up up the chain and i was like okay (laughs) and so i waited a bit longer and then i spoke to another guy and he was like ah no i'm gonna have to transfer you to to sort of one of the senior people in the team and i was like okay can you you just stay on the line there please sam we're we're having an armed response unit dispatched (laughs) to your house they were fucking swatting me or something. Um, and then eventually I actually spoke to somebody in the risk department. And I said, look, man, I've been making fucking transfers to these exchanges for years. You, you can see the regularity in it. And the thing he said, oh, yeah, this is, he goes, even he said, he goes, this is strange. He goes, I don't know why we would have put this block on your account. Um, he goes, it's not, it's not an issue. And he said the issue that he thinks that well, that triggered it was that I hadn't made a transfer since I think December or something to this particular exchange. And so because I didn't make it as regular, then they blocked me because it felt All right, like, they're was- like oh, you need to be a proper investor. You need to be dollar cost averaging every month. So it feels like it it feels like it was like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It's like it wasn't that they have stopped all crypto action, is they want much more regular crypto action to show that you are a hodler, a true yourself hodler. and that you know what you're doing. Yeah. It's like very counterintuitive. But to be fair, they credit they unblocked it and I've not had an issue since. And to be fair, from my experience with Lloyd's, they've been real they they just like let me do what I want to do with it, right? You see, Sam, that's the thing. So I'm up, you know, I'm up in, up in, up in Scotland, and when Lloyd's TSB split into two, 
Mm. I always felt I got the rough end of the bargain. TSB, <laughs> I don't even know what it fucking stands for. You got the ugly sister. <laughs> it's a shit logo. Their ads it's suck. Right. Lloyd's, you got a cool black horse, you know, a bit of that Ferrari action going on. Oh, yeah. You got the cool ads, galloping black horses seat. running around. Yeah. And I'm just stuck with this TSB, whatever that stands for. I, I'm I, total I shit box. <laughs> I am not I, I'm not gonna find out. Right. Anyone who is listening who knows what it is, like I don't care. I, I don't want to know. I, I'm not, I refuse to look it up. And here I am. And I'm stuck with TSB. And they've done a hard block on, on everything. Oh, wow. I, and I, I had a similar experience a while back where uh, a bank transfer to Coinbase Pro uh, was blocked. I rang them up and they said, I don't know why this is happening because I've made sure that's unblocked. And it still didn't work. And, they, and then it became clear that, oh, well, we're just not doing... We're, they, said, they said they had done a hard block back then. This was last year, summer last year. And then afterwards, I found that they were still allowing card payments. So card payments were fine, but bank transfers were not. So the hard block clearly... So they claimed that they were not allowing any crypto uh, to any transactions, crypto exchanges. And this was actually incorrect. So they weren't good enough. Like they, they actually weren't enforcing it very well. But more recently than that, TSB have gone hard on it and said, no. And now the fact that you've managed to wrestle Lloyd's into submission on this matter, Sam, makes me feel even more so that I, I was screwed over during the, uh, during the split from Lloyd's TSB to Lloyd's and TSB. Uh, Just... you're, the, you're the kid that went to live with like the, the povo parent <laughs> that ate... <laughs> Cup of noodles every night instead of cooking a proper meal. <laughs> oh, mate, it's a uh, it's a tricky one though. It's tricky because it's tricky. I you see it all the time. People just don't know what the fuck to do, and they're so inconsistent. I've heard some people have said they've had an absolute mare with Lloyd's, and I can't. I can only speak from my experience. And they've been pretty good, but like I said, some others have been shit house, and they have not. So, you know, I'm gonna keep on keeping with them until. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> Until my fucking account's held with the cent- with the Bank of England. Yeah, that's a funny one. Does that uh, claim, and I don't know if it's actually backed up by data, that people change banks less often than they change their, their spouses? You know, once, you, once you're with your bank, you're with it for life. And, uh, it wouldn't surprise actually, me. It wouldn't surprise it, me. I think it depends country to country how loyal people are to their banks. But in the UK, I think people are pretty damn loyal. Yeah, it's similar. Uh, it's similar in Australia is that people like they bank with one bank pretty much for life, and and then not just that, but everything from you know if you if you're with the Commonwealth Bank in Australia, you typically use their share trading platform Comsec. Right. Likewise, I don't I don't know what what, what they use now, but NAB was doing NAB Invest, and ANZ was using I think E Trade for a while, and. But the same thing is everything, even insurances, your mortgage, everything is with one bank, um, which is, you know, not a great idea. You, you should fish around f- for everything with different different banks, different providers, some that aren't even the banks. And, and this is just sort of a good <laughs> customer service friendly announcement is like, don't be loyal. Don't be loyal to a bank because they don't actually provide all the best stuff different ones have different specialities so shop your shit around 
Yeah, it depends on your lifestyle, though. At the same time, you know, similar to depends on what, where your income comes from and what who your employer is. If they're in this country, if they're a different country, or if you're self-employed, different banks have different uh, treat risk in different ways, and they interpret regulations in different ways too, uh, which of course becomes a, a big problem. You know, Sam, uh, you know, back in the golden era of, of the pre-Wuflu pandemic era, when we didn't really know how well we had it. Uh, mm. I, I was on a flight once to, uh, I was on a flight to Mauritius. It was a, a great holiday. I established a, a deep love of the country during that holiday. But on the way there, right, it was on Air Mauritius, was not a very good flight. And I'm just trying to sleep, can't sleep. Take one of the magazines out from the, uh, from the seat in front. Uh, give it a wee read. It's interestingly uh, totally focused on international finance, which comes back to uh, Mauritius, as a sort of the Singapore of Africa, but I'm reading through it and it's, you know, printed on really great high quality paper, really thick. You can really feel the grain of the wood on it. Great. Ooh, the but the content is abysmal, right? <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the place. Funnily enough, it wasn't actually far from, uh, from far from where South Bank's offices were in Southwark, where they were actually based. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm reading and I'm like, wow, whoever like, Whoever's editing this, they've got a big budget, but they don't really know what they're doing. And but similarly, the advertisers who are sponsoring it don't know what they're doing either. So you can find adverts where the resolution is so low and the, the color quality is so poor that you can really see pixels on the page. And it's printed on the page and uh, on really nice paper. So it's this great, is this grand juxtaposition. You feel that there's waste occurring with this magazine. But anyway. Little did I know, I would uncover one of the greatest adverts I have ever encountered in my life. Oh. Oh. And it made a great impression on me. And I think about it a lot. And I've actually struggled <laughs> to find... Go to sleep at night thinking about this advert. I do. And <laughs> I've, I've spent time, I've spent serious time trying to find this advert. And I've, you know, I've used all the, all the tricks you can do with Google Images with quotation marks to make sure it only shows you things that have exactly those words. I still can't find it. It's like <laughs> I conjured this up on this flight and then it just evaporated into the ether, right? And I'm reading this thing, okay? I flick to one page. It's a nice full page ad. And it shows a, uh, a handsome Congolese man journeying to different places, famous places like Paris and New York. You know, he's in front... Uh, of these places smiling he's got a night he's got a rucksack on his back traveling man and the main text on the page says wherever i am my bank is in the drc <laughs> now i and it's an advert for drc bank and like i open this and i i laugh out loud this is like just an extraordinary <laughs> statement wherever i am my bank is in the drc <laughs> And, uh, you know, I thought it was really, really funny. I was like, damn, this is, this well, is they're, hilarious. Their cash but, is made of cobalt. But, you know, since then, I've just thought about it more and more. And <laughs> I feel, I genuinely feel inadequate. So this guy uh, can say, wherever I am, my bank is in the DRC. Well, what can I say? Uh, my bank, where, where's your bank, mate? Uh, my bank's Not in the, the DRC. I, I, I don't even know what TSB stands for. Uh, like there's, <laughs> you, there's no excitement. Where's the adventure? I like where, you, where there's nothing. I feel like you need to set up a DRC bank account. Exactly. I think I, I really, I really want to do this. I want to go on a pilgrimage to the DRC and open an account at DRC bank and 
henceforth I will be able to say that wherever I am, my bank is in the DRC. I really want to do it. It's going to happen. Do it. <laughs> and then you could forever say, my bank is in the DRC. Yeah. Uh, maybe they, maybe we could get a sponsorship for this uh, for this podcast. <gasps> DRC Bank. DRC Bank, if you're listening, our wallets are open to your payments. One hundred percent. Conga, any any Congolese folks listening, uh, definitely want to pay a visit. And uh, yeah, if you know anyone at DRC Bank, you know, get, share share the podcast. We'd most appreciate it. Uh, Sam, I didn't actually say what I was drinking this evening. I, I am on the old quantitative ease. On my way back to Aberdeen, I, uh, I actually had a cache of quantitative ease stored at my sister's place in Edinburgh. I picked that up on the way, got off the train and took another train. And uh, I've got some vintage quantitative ease. And it is very nice indeed. But of course, we cannot rate quantitative ease on this podcast. Sam, would you like to rate your, uh, your cask wine? My box wine. <laughs> um yes it, my, my box wine is very good and and it is very easy to drink and 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 i have regularly been drinking it um and while this is t- traditionally a beer rating system um i am i'm going to give my box wine a uh, a b minus which is a very good rating for what is effectively a cask wine oh very nice very nice indeed now, uh, we are getting on a little bit for time here. So I think we'll, we'll close it up there with episode 80. Quite a hallmark. You know, quite a, it's not a hallmark. It's quite a landmark for the show, 80 episodes. And as I say, we're not done, folks. This was not, the, the, ca- the show was not cancelled after, <laughs> after the last it's episode. It's hard to organize ourselves with each other. That's all. <laughs> big time, big time. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not going anywhere, folks. So we shall be back with the next episode. Uh, our Twitter header does say, you know, uh, Crack a coldie with us every Friday. Yeah, yeah. The, the Friday, the Friday bit maybe may we have been try. We should just add try. Bit. We will try to crack a coldie with you every Friday. Every Friday. <laughs> An attempt will be made. Uh, but that is all from us for episode 80, folks. So I hope you're having a very good time. Uh, it is great to record another one of these. We shall be back as ever. Uh, make sure you support your local pubs, pay a visit, have a nice a nice pint enjoy the weather while it lasts and we'll be back with you next time where we shall be rating some more beers or maybe some some more goon bags but <laughs> that's all from us for the moment we'll see you in the next one bye-bye